Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. If you don't know, or if you're a new listener, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it, with the idea being that we then share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. And just so everybody knows, we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Right, let's get on with this week's topic then, which, as always, is completely random. This week's topic is MI6. Liam, this week's topic is MI6. Like we always do, can you let everybody know what you thought about MI6 before we started to do our research? Well, I do read lots of books about stuff like this. So I thought I knew a little bit. Like, I know that MI6 is like James Bond. It's it's our spies out in the world. It's like British spies away from us. Because then there's also, and we'll mention this in a bit, you've probably also heard of MI5. Yeah. And I, I think I messaged you straight away about this. MI5 are stopping other country spies in our home country. And we'll, we'll, again, we'll mention this in a bit, but I already knew that fact. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's all I knew, really. I, you know, I don't know a lot about it. This in that building that's on the Thames, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's Vo- right. Vauxhall something. Vauxhall Cross? I yeah, in know. London. It's in James Bond. Yeah, so I knew that. Um, yeah, that's about it. What about yourself? I think you probably knew a little bit more than me this week. I hadn't properly realised about the distinction between MI5 and MI6, which I found quite interesting. And I think before getting into the research my view of it all had been a little bit distorted by James Bond. Um, but no, well, I think we should probably jump into it. That's a good place for us to start and actually say, what is the difference between MI5 and MI6? Yeah, so first of all, it's quite important to say they're not strictly called MI5 and MI6, are they? And we're probably doing ourselves a bit of a disservice here by calling this week's pod MI6 because that isn't their official name. They're actually called the Secret Intelligence Service. Or That's SIA. right. And MI5 are called the Security Service. Yes. Um, and as I said just there, essentially, MI5, you know, crudely, I guess you could put it, MI5 are, are, is a department whose job it is to stop other countries' spies within our country, isn't it? That's right. So MI5 deals with domestic threats. Yep. Which is sort of similar, although not, you know, if you're an American listener, says you might say it's not completely the same, but similar to the FBI, isn't it? That's right. The FBI is like American based. Um, and then MI6, I, I bolded this in orange. So I would say exactly this. MI6's job is to protect the British public at home by working secretly abroad, which I thought was quite nice. their job is you know they are the james bonds they're out in the world doing stuff uh similar to the cia in america um probably not exactly the same but they they probably overlap yes yeah exactly and so just maybe another way of just saying exactly the same thing as what you've said then is that mi5 they deal with domestic threats and they're meant to catch foreign spies who are in the uk whereas mi6 that's our UK spies who are out there in the world. Yeah, 
Exactly. Um, and they also work with, it's probably, we'll just very briefly mention, you may well have heard of the GCHQ, which is the Government Communication Headquarters. It's that funny round building in um, Cheltenham, I think it is. And they, they assist. They, they listen, don't they? Aren't they the ones who like track your phone calls and things like that? Yeah. I think they're the, the hackers, trackers and the trackers, trackers maybe. Like that's, the, that's the one, yeah. They, they assist and they crunch a lot of data and number and they use a lot of computing power and things like that. Um, but we're not going to go too much into that. But those three departments are the main three. MI5, or security service, MI6, secret intelligence service, and GCHQ. And, and so they, today, they today's pod, as the, the title suggests, is focusing on MI6. And as we're saying, so most of these people are based abroad. These are our spies who are out in the world. And um, as Liam's already mentioned, their yeah, head office headquarters is based in Vauxhall in London. And before getting on to MI5 and MI6, one of the things that I found quite interesting was or started to think about what actually happened to M1, M2, huh. M3 and M4? Yeah, MI1 and MI, the Mission Impossible films, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, so they did exist, didn't they? They were a thing. This was going to be my takeaway, actually. As soon as I found this out, I thought this is really interesting. But then I realised we're going to end up talking about it. So it might be a takeaway for you anyway. So it turns out, yeah, MI5, MI6 are just, they're the last ones standing, essentially. Way back in the early 1900s, just before World War One, they basically started, they were worried about Germany's uprising, weren't they? And they established a secret service bureau and they started, they, they, they set up two departments one to look at stuff happening in the country and one to st- look at stuff happening abroad. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they did. And the MI part of this all stands for military intelligence. And so, so what happened during the war is that there, there were a number of offices that were set up to work within the war office. So that the military intelligence department of the war office, which was actually then later changed and became the UK's Ministry of Defence. That's right. Yep. But um, yep. so, so it was the War Office and it had all of these MI numbers. And it turns out there were quite a lot of them, actually, weren't there? Yeah, yeah, numbers and bra- they're definitely branches, weren't they? So they're looking at military intelligence. But within that, there's a whole di- different bunch of things that they were looking at. Um, for example, uh, there are there, there were about, I think it was 10 or 11 by the end of World War One, And then it got up to about 19 by the end of World War Two. Yes. So bearing in mind, the only ones we really know now are five and six. And it's pretty crazy. But for example, MI1 was to do with code breaking. MI, I've got them all written down. MI7 was propaganda. MI9 was to do with helping our prisoner of wars, prisoners of war, escaping and getting back home. Um, they all had just specific jobs. Um, and all that's happened is they've all been closed up, wrapped up or, or combined into somewhere around MI5 and MI6. Yeah, they all got absorbed in, didn't they? They realised that actually it could be just a nice, clear distinction of having that whole MI5 for domestic and MI6 for international. Mm-hmm. But Liam... Of those 1 to 19, did you read anything about MI17? No, it's super secret, isn't it? I, I only know that because I'm sure I've seen it in films. Like, But it's funny this. I meant to say this at the very start. This whole episode, we only know what we're allowed to know. So, like, <laughs> is it even true? Is this even true? Because this is the only stuff they've, they've let out into the, the public domain. And we'll talk about it later. But there are some interviews with, like, former MI6 agents. But is that even true? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that just because that's the bit they're allowed to talk about? 
Like, it's funny that, yeah, no, but on MI17, yeah, it's the super secret one, right? Yeah, exactly. It's what conspiracy theorists believe is the department that deals with extraterrestrial matters. Um, but yeah, we, again, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all we've read about it. Does it even exist? We don't know. But apparently, if it is, that's the one that deals with extraterrestrial. Mm, yeah, lovely. Um, <laughs> so in terms of the history and how it all started, so we were saying it's, it's in the early 1900s that they're yeah, worried about Germany and there being an uprising. So they started to put together these different offices, just these different branches. And there was one person in particular who's credited or, or named as starting it, isn't there? Mansfield Cumming. Yeah, yeah, Mansfield coming. And he, he was a 50-year-old naval officer at the time. And he was the, the person who was chosen to be, be the leader of the, the foreign sections. And apparently, it says on the Secret Intelligence Services website, it says about that he was a bit of a, an odd choice, an unusual choice, given that he had neither no intelligence background or linguistic skills. But he was put there for, and it has it in uh, in in quotation marks for special qualifications. I don't know what, what does that mean. Nobody knows. One thing that he did do though, and this is we'll mention a bit about James Bond later. But you know, if you've seen James Bond, M is the person in charge of James Bond, right? Yes. James Bond's got to go and visit M and go to M's office or whatever. Um, this Mansfield coming would sign everything C for coming or Chief, but. I don't know, they haven't said which way around it is. But ever since then, the head of MI6 uh, has always, always signed stuff C. And so the that- other thing that I read around him and signatures and something else that's been passed on as a tradition in history is that the, the chief of MI6, they'll keep a daily log and that daily log, they'll write with green ink, which was what Mansfield Cumming used to write everything with green yeah. ink. And also when they sign... With the letter C, they do it in green ink as well, just as a tradition. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, he set it up, and then they, yeah, by the end of World War Two, sort of 1940, when's that end? 45. Um, they ended up with 19 different branches, right? Yeah, and they were they were had a really diverse workforce. I was reading about there were loads of women who um, who were helped out and did a lot of the secretarial duties, desk work and map work that coming was quite instrumental in getting a lot of women involved as well at that point. So yeah, took us to the end of the world war. Um, but Liam, what did you find out about MI6 after say 1949, given huh. that that's about 60 years ago? There, well, there's nothing, is there? There's nothing. And their actual, <laughs> their website <laughs> says as much. Their website, uh, here's a quote. Their website says, our authorised history ends in 1949 and the secret nature of our work means we cannot give much information on our operations since. So many of our more recent successes have gone unnoticed. So I can't actually answer it because they won't tell anybody, which is pretty nuts, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and they just so, say that they're, they're credited with performing a lot of um, acts that have prevented things happening that we wouldn't want to happen. Um, so probably a good idea then for us to actually get on and talk about what it is that they actually do yeah what do they do secret right like top secret top secret um no it it does say you you can their website is quite actually is quite good if you want to go and read a bit about this their job 
in a, in a quote by the diplomat Sir Neville Maltby Bland in 1948, said their job is to obtain by covert means intelligence which is impossible or undesirable for Her Majesty's government to seek by overt means. Yeah, that means. So what? They have, what three, they have like three pillars, don't they? There's three things that they say. This is what we do. Yeah, and these these have probably been updated as of as of late, and you'll um, you'll see why in a moment. But they, they're, so MI6, what they're basically doing is they're collecting intelligence, aren't they? And then what you find is it's as Liam mentioned, they work with a lot of other organizations. It's the jobs of the other organizations, such as the SAS or the SBS or whoever it might be, to then act on that intelligence. But MI6 is responsible for gathering it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think maybe less like James Bond. You know, yeah. not quite so not so in your face smashing stuff up. Uh, <laughs> you know, a bit more like look, we found this out, someone else is going to go and do something about it. And I think we we both um, read about in some some interviews with ex ex spies that they say they're trying to be undercover as much as possible. They're not trying to be out there causing explosions and having high speed chases and whatever. Yeah. But, um, but no, so they say nowadays those three pillars that they've got three core areas of focus, haven't they? Yeah, counterterrorism. I suppose that's pretty much a given, isn't it? Their, their job is to stop terrorist attacks in the UK. Um, against our interests overseas and in supporting our allies. Disrupting hostile state activity, so tackling threats from hostile states, promoting the UK's prosperity and influencing international affairs. And so they have a cyber sort of aim where they promote and defend the UK's cyber realm using cyber expertise to reduce threats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that I can imagine those things have changed over the years and there must be more and more focus on cyber now just from the little bits of information that do come out and some of the stories that we read about. But did you actually look into or or find out any examples of some of the potential missions or, you know, examples of what it is that they actually do? So first of all, they're not called spies then. Let's just take a step back a second. When we say they, we're talking about the spies, you know, you're out there being a spy. They're not called spies, are they? Nope. They are called intelligence officers. That's right. Okay, they are out gathering intelligence. That is their job. As far as a person goes, they will be excellent interpersonal skills. They will have an interest in foreign cultures and they should be motivated to make a positive difference by protecting and promoting the UK. Their job's all about people, but they work closely with data experts to find potential agents to assist MI6 in its aims. So the agents they're talking about are the people who they are convincing to work for us. And who might that be? So to put it bluntly, they they try to recruit people to do difficult and dangerous things, sometimes betraying the very organizations they worked for for years. And that might be a country, it might be a business. Um, but So they will go out there and they will try and find someone to help them. So for example, there's an interview I'd read in the Telegraph. This is from 2015. Um, and this guy has a fake name and he said his job would, his job is called an agent runner. And his job is to find individuals with access to secret intelligence of value to the UK government. And his job is to build a relationship with these individuals and work with them to obtain the secrets they have access to securely. So, for example, there is an example 
So it could yeah. well be it could be political people who are politicians in other countries or ambassadors or people who are just in roles of influence or have access to information. Yeah. So the example they give is, for example, someone in in the government decides they need to know which routes ISIS used to smuggle recruits into Syria. So they start okay. by going, right, I need to know this. So their job is to get an MI6 officer in front of or to communicate with that person who knows that route. So that person is likely to be an ISIS, I don't know what the word is, soldier? Member. Member, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So is that annual member? So they, were really, they were really close with MI5 and GCHQ to identify individuals who will know this information and then they will put our intelligence officer with them and they their job is to get them to talk essentially and to share what they know so that they can bring it back home. Yes. Hopefully that makes some sense. But I think you wrote down how they do that. How do you, you know, so we send, for example, so let's say we use this as an example. I know that there's this guy who, I don't know, runs a cafe somewhere in the middle of wherever and in the middle of Syria, for example, and, and he knows where ISIS are going to bring their stuff through. So we need to find out what he knows. So we're going to send an intelligence officer out there. Yes. He's then going to live there, possibly with his family, um, possibly for a long time, with the idea being eventually this guy in this cafe is going to start telling him stuff. But you, you'd read somewhere about how they actually do that, right? Yeah, that I, I saw a mnemonic that they use, which is mice. And that translates to money, ideology, compromise and ego. So they're the, the the main four pillars of how they will then try and get somebody on board. I think money is quite a straightforward one. So you can either just pay somebody for the intelligence that they're tipping them off with. So as you say, if it's somebody running a cafe, you might have them on a regular bit of money. If they're overhearing yeah. conversations yeah. they're having, you might be just tipping them off and giving them you know a small amount of money every month. But it could be that you have somebody who provides you with a serious bit of intelligence, you know, a really big bit of intelligence where you end up paying them loads of money. And I couldn't get this verified anywhere, but apparently it can be quite some sizable sums, um, it seems to be suggesting. The I is ideology. So this could well be in your example about the coffee shop person, or it could be that there's someone high in, in the politics in that country who did, they just don't believe in what that country's doing. Say in the Middle East, for example, they don't like yeah. Way that they're going yeah. about things, and yeah. their ideology is different, and so that's quite good for the intelligence offer, officer to then try and get information out of them because they'll be more yeah. to do it. C is for compromise. Can you guess what that one is? Blackmail, gotta be. Yeah, so gotta be the blackmail. Them. It's not good though, is it? Doing that? No, it's it's getting them caught in a like extramarital affair or getting them, you know, caught out in a some compromising photos of them that they wouldn't want to, to resurface. And yeah, it says that that is not a good way of obtaining information from people because they're doing it under threat and they then might turn against you, but it mm -hmm. is sometimes a tactic that they use. And then the fourth one is ego. And it sort of relates to the intelligence officer sort of going under the radar, being unassuming and not letting your own ego get in the way and letting the person who you're talking to making sure that they feel way more important than you so that they're then more likely to tell you this information. Yeah. It's really important that we repeat. They're called intelligence officers, these spies. Yeah. They're going out to gather intelligence. So they need people to talk to them. Um, and and, and people, 
and those people that talk to them, they are the ones that are called agents. Yeah, they are called an agent. Yeah, that's right. They're called an agent. Ours are called intelligence officers. Well, but that's what it says. That's what we think they're called. You know, maybe <laughs> they are called spies. <laughs> well, the confusion comes from James Bond, doesn't it? Because James yeah. Bond is a double O agent. And so you then think yeah. that the person who in MI6 is an agent where really he's an intelligence officer and he's getting somebody to talk to him and they are the agent. I did read an interview where they, they are somebody and they, they change their name again. Do they call themselves spies? And they were like, no, we don't call ourselves spies because we, you know, we don't really talk about our job because it's got to be a bit secret. So it's not like it's out there and I'm discussing it with everybody. Yeah. So no, I'm not really. Um, <laughs> so did you think you could do this role? Do you think you could you could somehow get recruited by them? Is it easy enough to do if any of our listeners are thinking, you know what, I quite like this right. in my life. This is quite interesting. because I want to travel abroad. Website. I want to go and see places around the world and mm-hmm. come and live undercover. You know, I, I could do that. Yeah, so their website actually has just apply to be an intelligence officer. <laughs> what they want, I, I read this in a, in a separate, this is funny this, this week, because you just have got to read interviews, people have, you know, little drip feed, little bits, things that you find out. Um, they need obviously if they're if they're trying to infiltrate other countries, they really need people from all kinds of backgrounds. Yeah, and historically, it's been quite a white male-dominated thing, and they really need like females and people from different backgrounds and things like that because it makes it easier to integrate, doesn't it? Yeah. So they make it quite clear: Do you want to apply to be an intelligence officer? Here's how to do it. Um, so just very quickly. <laughs> Also, it can take about nine months. You start by just registering online and you need to meet some initial criteria, don't you, before you can even apply. That's right. So one of the things that they say is that you must be born or naturalised as a British citizen or have substantial ties to the UK. Yeah, you have to have lived there for seven of the last eight, uh, ten years or something. And your parents both have to be or one of, the, one of your parents has to be British, yeah, I think. Right. Then you complete, uh, so, you know, maybe you get through that stage. You've got to complete an online test. Maybe you get through that stage. You fill out an application, which includes some competency questions. Then you've got to do an online analysis exercise. Then you have to have a virtual interview, which includes role play. Then you have to attend an assessment day. And then you have a final selection interview, which can take up to eight hours and includes something they call pre-vetting. So they vet you, don't they? Yeah, they, they go into all about your, your life, the fine-tooth comb, but then even into your family and your friends who you associate with as well mm-hmm. and just some have some serious betting. That's probably where GCHQ comes in, isn't it? Yeah, I'd imagine they go back through your social media particularly nowadays. And it says and just that you're like... not allowed to talk to anyone about your application and let, um, apart from your immediate family. Um, but yeah. if you are successful and you get in, yeah, congratulations to you. You then have to then complete a two-year training program. Yeah, man, it sounds like, I don't know. I don't know it about does, this. It does say, though, and I, I did like this, as one of the benefits it lists on the website, if you get the job, you will get a civil service pension and you also get 25 days paid holiday. Yeah, they've got a nice thing, don't they, where they mention some myths. And it's like questions that we might want to have a quick look look at. And just just a couple of them very quickly. One of them is no one can know where you work. So the myth is that you're a spy. Uh, nah, I'm not allowed to use that word. You are a intelligence officer, but you're not allowed to tell anybody. And that is a myth. You are allowed to tell trusted 
close friends or yeah. your family, but they might be vetted. <laughs> <laughs> so just check do it. Check. Where have you got these myths from? This is <laughs> yeah. This is the problem. This is from the SIS website. It's from their their actual website. This There's is on their bit intelligence of their services you. website. This is yeah, their... do you want to apply to do this job? Here are some <laughs> things you might want to know about. Um, one of them says, for example, it's a dangerous job. Now, I would say it is a dangerous job, but obviously I'm not a spy. Uh, but they say the vast majority of roles will not be classed as dangerous and you would never be asked to do something you're, you're uncomfortable doing or if you felt the risk was too high. Some do work in high threat areas, but our number one concern would always be to ensure the safety and security of our people. So they claim it isn't, I guess. One of the myths is, do you have to work long hours? And they say no. So it sounds quite nice that you just work... Simply, you can't take your your work home with you, and so yeah. you just work your regular hours. Yeah, but right, I don't take my work home with me. But I always remember, like, if a kid's sworn at me or something in class, right? You don't you don't forget it. <laughs> now, imagine if my job was that I'm trying to infiltrate like a nuclear bomb or something, you know? Because that's <laughs> on their thing that they're trying to disrupt nuclear yeah. countries, um, countries gaining nuclear technology or something. Now, imagine you are in the middle of whatever country that would be. And you're just chatting to some guy in a cafe who happens to know where the nuclear football codes are. Yes. How do you sit in the bath and not think about that? (laughs) And it says (laughs) you're on your own whenever you do work. Yeah, but but they claim not, right? Because you're always going to be part of a team. And there are offices all over the world. Um, But I don't know. You're surrounded by like-minded people who... Uh, like happy to work with you it makes it sound like a really nice rosy situation to be in where you're not though i can't imagine you are not when you're in this cafe <laughs> on your own trying to get the guy behind the counter so you can't sit there with 10 of your mates you're going to look completely out of place aren't you you're in there on your own i don't know um but just on the, on that note then so on some of those myths which we will um yeah which which we which were a little bit questionable and we're talking about you've got a two year training program so let's let's just have a look at some of the things that you then get trained in once you then become an intelligence officer. So the first thing is just intelligence collection, um, including agent running and briefings. So that's just being able to you know relay information properly. Then you've got small arms, so just dealing with guns, explosive training, unarmed combat, surveillance, anti-surveillance, counter-surveillance advanced driving, infiltration, exfiltration techniques, and covert communications. But it's all done within working hours in your regular shift. <laughs> with your a 25 friendly... days holiday. <laughs> with your 25 days holiday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, the point is, if you're listening to this, you can go onto their website now. I think it is just sis.gov.uk. I think that is the website. You can apply right now as you're listening to this, nice. which is pretty nuts. Um Oh, it's probably worth saying we've got a fantastic interview lined up, don't we? Yeah, we have with an ex MI6 intelligence officer. Yeah, so we're going to have a fantastic interview um, come out later in the week where we're we're probably going to get told everything we've just said is slightly different to what it really is because <laughs> that's the nature of what we're doing this week. Uh, but yeah, that will come out later in the week. So you might find you've got more questions just like we have. So hopefully we'll find them out later. But things so coming coming around back to the types of people that that work there. So is it true? Do you have to go to Oxford or Cambridge and be called Rupert? I read in one interview to to get in. 
No, 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 no. And that's partly because of this whole trying to be more diverse. They want people from all kinds of backgrounds nowadays. So, yeah, back in the day, I, I don't know, maybe what, like the 50s and 60s, if you weren't posh and from Oxbridge, you weren't going to become a spy. But nowadays, it could be anyone from anywhere. Um, and how similar are they saying that they are to James Bond then? Like, what, what my initial thinking at the beginning? Yeah, well, they're not really, are they? No. They, they don't go out all guns blazing. Um, did you read about the licence to kill? Yeah, I did a little bit. And I wasn't actually entirely sure on the answer with this because... Again, you get to read what you're allowed to read. So the MI6 say that there's officially been no assassination orders that have ever been given. And if there were, uh, you have to go all the way up to our UK Secretary of State, which currently is pretty Patel. But you then read those interviews of ex-MI6 intelligence officers, and they seem to contradict it a little bit. Yeah, and one of the things they say is that everything you do is illegal anyway. So you're in this other country and you're blackmailing this guy or you're buying this guy off or whatever, you know, that's all illegal. So because you're just doing stuff illegally, might you as well just kill someone? Like that's sort of what the implication was when I was reading it. And that was yeah. like, you don't need a license to kill because you're so illegal anyway. Just, just do it. Like, and the, I don't know. We'll find that out. Maybe we'll find that out in the interview. The other thing that I read about the intelligence officers is just that they have so many cover stories, so many aliases. So there's, there's one in particular um, who said that he had 14 or 15 different aliases. And you need to remember the most minutiae of detail, you know, where you go, which pub you go to, what's your favourite drink, or, you know, all this, you know, what school you went to, what was your, your junior school and all of this stuff. Yeah. For all of those different aliases that you have, so that if you were to get stopped at an airport, it's watertight, your story, that it all stacks up and you don't yeah. come across as an a intelligence officer. Yeah, and it's all backed up, isn't it, by passports, bank details, credit cards. You know, you've got a full, uh, a whole load of stuff in this other person's name. Yeah. So that, you know, a you can just watch story that you need to learn. Yeah, times by 14. Which is... I don't know my own backstory. I remember getting asked what my pa- my uh, postcode was just after I'd moved houses. I was going through <laughs> security in the airport, but because I'd just moved, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you don't know your own postcode cracking under the pressure even though you done nothing yeah. wrong you just started to sweat and i don't know my postcode. Yeah. immediately felt like i'd done something horrific <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that probably wraps up like everything that we were able to find out this week with our own yep, research and definitely. reading on mi6 and just the, the secret intelligence service but really looking forward to the interview with the the ex-mi6 officer and being able to to ask some of those questions so you got a takeaway? Yeah, I do have a takeaway. And this is one that I found really interesting. So my two guys, one topic takeaway this week is that even though MI6 started in 1909, the yeah. existence of MI6 wasn't officially acknowledged by the British government until 1994. <laughs> Yeah, so they didn't even say they were even a thing. No, they just refused to accept or, or refused to agree that it even existed until 1994. How good is that? That's a good little takeaway. That's nuts though, isn't it? Like, Because everybody would have known it was a thing. But yeah, so it's, it's going for however many years that is. And uh, what is that, 85 years? Yeah. And um, didn't even admit. So mine is... Looking up facts, this is another thing, you know, you don't know how true this is, but apparently MI6 once hacked an Al-Qaeda website 
and swapped out how to make a, a like um the instructions for making a bomb with a cupcake recipe. Look <laughs> at how true that is. Is that true? It sounded really good. I thought that was really interesting. Was that someone you think just practicing their hacking skills and just thought, ah, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll just leave something here for my a actual, bit To be honest, my, my, my actual takeaway I really wanted to say was the fact that, and this is, I think, worth remembering, you know, if you've got to talk about this, MI5 and 6 originally were one of 19 and each of those departments all did a different thing and it just so happened that they've all got combined together until you've ended up with MI5, UK-based, MI6, foreign-based, if you like. Yeah, that, that's essentially, that's my biggest takeaway. So the biggest thing I've learned this week. Yeah, it's been really interesting. But I think I, I genuinely am looking forward to this interview because I'd like a whole load of these questions like nailed down. Sounds good. And so I guess hearing what you're saying there, it sounds like you feel you could have a five-minute conversation with somebody quite knowledgeably about MI6. Yeah, exactly. No problem. I could talk for five minutes about it, but uh, hopefully 10 minutes after the interview when uh, I actually know some you know, more, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Definitely know more about it now than I did. Totally random as far as topics goes. I like that we do them randomly like this. Um, you know, next week's is completely different to this week's, but yeah, hopefully I can share some knowledge. What about yourself? Yeah, nice. Yeah, pretty similar. Even just for me, just that distinction about MI5 being domestic and MI6 being foreign was a was a big one for me <laughs> just right at the very start and it's been yeah super yeah. interesting we hope everybody out there has enjoyed this episode hopefully if you're talking to somebody about this you can get out there and share some knowledge speak with you next week okay everybody thanks for listening to this week's podcast and topic being mi6 hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did learning about it and sharing it with you if you want to have any questions or comments about it, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Two Guys One Topic. Give us a follow, send us some comments. That'd be great. Otherwise, we will speak to you soon. Get out there and hashtag share some knowledge.